Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. And yippee ki yay, Merry Christmas. We are doing Die Hard, the Die Hard games, and everything connected to Die Hard. <laughs> Mostly hard things and dead things. Anyway, uh, we have, as usual, Rory. Hello, Rory. Hello, motherfuckers. Hello. <laughs> um,. Yes, it's the perennial and very tedious Christmas question. I think I mentioned on our last episode about whether Die Hard is indeed a Christmas movie with the idea that Christmas is even a genre of film. But we thought it's about time to actually tackle it on this, our Christmas episode of the Games on Film podcast, because there is a sort of interesting history. It's, it's quite a sort of short run of, of video games based on Die Hard, but also there's you know a few sort of interesting and key titles that are worth discussing, as well as generally the oeuvre of uh, Mr. Bruce Willis. And it's a delight to be joined once again on the podcast by Chris Carton. Hello. Thanks for having me back, guys. I'm delighted. Hello, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. I'm so I'm happy. Not. Thanks for asking me back. I feel I never say Merry Christmas to anyone because it feels very, it kind of feels a bit invasive, but I genuinely mean it for yourself. Oh, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> um, that. Because, like, <laughs> I say it all the time. <laughs> I don't know. I think once I was I was told in like mid-November by some call center agent on the phone, happy holidays. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Joyful end of year to you, <laughs> whatever. Exactly. So, uh, should we get this this nonsense out of the way? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? We'll spend thirty seconds discussing this, I think, because everyone's sick to the back teeth. Rory, is it a Christmas movie? Yeah, sure. Why not, Chris? Uh, I'm not going to commit, but I will say that I would not just watch it at Christmas. If that makes sense, I'd watch it any time of the year. Christmas themed, perhaps Christmas atmosphere, mm, Christmas movie, debatable. I think it is a Christmas movie because I think it would lose something if it wasn't set at Christmas. I think there's a, a perversion of Christmas which is kind of inherent to it. But mm-hmm. I think there's a much longer discussion about what is a Christmas movie, really. I don't know. I, I think that Christmas sort of drives the plot and creates the situation for the plot to allow it to happen. So without the Christmas, the events of Die Hard wouldn't necessarily take place. Uh, but at the same time, the film was released in July. It so was. Um, what are you going to do? That's very true. And if you were to believe our corporate overlords, uh, Disney, on Disney Plus, it is actually in the Christmas collection category. So uh, there's that too. Yes. I mean, we're 100 years from now. Disney is just God. You know, they started with their Marvel. They bought out Star Wars, but then like... The high priests of Disney making Pixar film. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I can. Well, once they managed to uh, to solve the whole cryogenic Disney situation, they'll you know defrost him and he'll rule 
uh, across the world once more. <laughs> Wonderful. Anyway, so um, have you guys watched Die Hard yet this year? I haven't watched it yet this year, actually. Funny enough. Should have in preparation for this, but I think I just watched it so much when I was younger. It, mm. it was never, as much as I loved the movie, it was never an annual thing for me for some reason. And I do love the movie. I'm a huge fan, but it wasn't something that I would go, oh, I forgot to watch Die Hard this year. I'd be like, oh, I'll just watch it next year. But I do love it. So not yet. Well, I'm on a bit of a Christmas film binge at the moment. And um, so I have, that has been watched. Um, but I totally get where you're coming from because there's loads of films where I must have, maybe it's because there was less films 30 years ago. I mean, there has to have been. <laughs> But you kind of end up watching certain films just so much that they are kind of burnt, etched into your very soul. And I was watching it and I was kind of saying all the lines like a moment before they came up. But I mean, it's because it's such a brilliant script and it's a lot of hyperbole usually to say something's a perfect film. But I kind of can't really fault it in any capacity. And of course, the script co-written by Stephen E. D'Souza of Street Fighter the movie uh, fame, to bring it back to the that video game is. movies. Yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, I, I haven't seen it this year. I haven't seen it in a, in a little while. I, I think, yes, it's one of those things where, and I think probably the first three films at least, we kind of watched in sort of rotation uh, at different points, maybe more so the first and the third films than the second one. But I think... Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, I've seen it a couple of times on the big screen, and I think that's definitely like a great way to watch it or revisit it if um, you know you've you've seen it a few times and want to sort of see it in a different style. I think I saw it in seventy millimeter once, and I think not just the sort of the visuals and and the scale, but also just when you watch it in that format, the sound really really pops, just like the sort of gunfire and the explosions, the music um so that's a great way to see it and yeah it's it's sort of whatever way you cut it it's undeniably one of the best american action films ever made so it's just great to sort of revisit it and uh you know whether you watch it once a year for christmas or every couple of years or however we thank you one and all and wish you a merry christmas and a happy new year it's christmas eve in la but a team of terrorists. You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Who said we were terrorists? Have their own holiday plans. And I'm telling you, you just got to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. But the one thing they didn't plan on was New York cop John McClane. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... And you'll have it! They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, do I sound like I'm ordered a pizza? Come to Papa, honey. Are you really an American? Only if New Jersey counts. What does he think he's doing? He's an easy guy to like. Welcome to the party, pal. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis. Die hard. 
he mentions like we watched one and three quite a lot and how do we, so how do we feel about Die Hard 2 it feels a bit like it's kind of a retread and it's also I feel a bit nastier I mean do we is, is there any love for Die Hard 2 or Die Harder I think actually sorry to interrupt I remember I think when you Rory got Die Hard Trilogy for the PC I think it's famously a PlayStation game, but we got it for the PC. It came with a free VHS copy of Die Hard 2 for some reason. Yes. I forgot that. I got it in Ditson's uh, on Wells High Street. And yeah, Die Hard 2 on VHS bundled in with the PC edition of Die Hard Trilogy, which shows a a, a specific moment in time. (laughs) Was there there a surplus of Die Hard 2, maybe? Surplus of it, but not enough people were watching it. We're trying to get it out I there. think so. I, I think, think so. Like, Rory's not wasn't even 15, which is like, it's 15 rated in the UK. So it's like, mm. oh my God. Gosh, <laughs> you can hear all those F-bombs and everything. <laughs> well, the game wasn't wasn't rated. Um, mm. So that's why I could get it. I got special dispensation from our dad. Was the game not 15s as well? No. Or am I, I don't I'm think just imagining so, no. the 15s think, logo. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't think it got a, an official BBFC um, rating attached to it because, oh, okay. um, as we'll go into in some detail, but it's like ridiculously bloody in places, like particularly if you're running yeah. over pedestrians, there's always blood pouring down your windshield. <laughs> not that that's what you're meant to do, but that's just inevitably what happens when you're playing the driving uh, situations. But uh, yeah, Die Hard 2 is, I think it's fine. It's uh, like there's some interesting stuff in there. You've got like a Robert Patrick uh, cameo appearance as a goon. You've got um, tie-ins to the Commando universe with the existence of Val Verde. Could you explain that for like the audience and also the other the other two people on this podcast? <laughs> Uh, so, like Commando, <laughs> um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger film, there's mention of this fictitious country called Valverde, and the person that the uh, terrorists or whatever are trying to free the dictator of in Die Hard 2 is of Valverde. So, it's this fictitious place which exists in these two movies. It's like right. um, a fictional what is South it? American country. Yeah, it's like in, um, you know, what is John Hughes? Speaking of sort of Christmas movies, Home Alone, that's all set in like a fictitious place in oh, Illinois. I can't remember. I'm I sorry, forget. Hughes fans. Oh, wow, all these universes <laughs> are much bigger than I Isn't it? remember it. <laughs> no, Marvel did not invent this shit. You got Kevin Smith's Virus universe. Um I like to New say York that City in the Marvel movies, like <laughs> I've I heard like of York. Think... <laughs> no, because Star Wars is set a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Technically, any film, including documentaries, can be set in the Star Wars universe. You know, very true. A million yeah. years ago and hundreds, thousands of light years away, Star Wars happened, and then you know, Hoop Dreams, the documentary about <laughs> basketball players. I was going to say white men can't jump. We were on the wow, <laughs> Basketball, yeah. great unifier. Um, all I can remember about Die Hard 2 is like a naked baddie doing like yoga in front of the TV. That's a that's an entrance. <laughs> well, William, Sandler. William Sandler, that's the one. He's also in he's also in Star Trek, and I like Star Trek as everyone knows. And Bill and um, Ted. Do you? No one. And he plays Death. And uh yeah, Die Hard of a Vengeance as the last uh, as the 
the uh, the final Die Hard movie is <laughs> Die Hard <laughs> Vengeance, um, which is also awesome and crucially not set at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I was going to say it's Christmas somewhere. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <clears throat> yeah, you meant to say it's like colder in the southern hemisphere at the point yeah. at which the film are we, is set. Are we, are we fans of Die Hard of three? I, I love Die Hard with a Vengeance. I really do. I think it's the chemistry between um, Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson really does it for me. Like you said, two is I do like two as well, but it does feel like more of the same. Whereas three feels like something completely different. And I love their the tension, the humor. Yeah, I really like it. Always enjoyed it. I think it's. I mean, we're going to say spoilers for anything connected to Die Hard. I would say, but I love how it's the the villain is the is the brother of Hans Gruber. And we think it's like a massive revenge plot against John McClane only, but it's he's really that's a smokescreen anyway. What he's actually doing is robbing a bank again. But have <laughs> you seen like the have you seen the alternative ending of Die Hard with a Vengeance? Uh, I don't think like, I have. No, Die Hard with Vengeance is a great movie, but it has this really tacked on ending where the terrorists are, or I say the thieves, because that's the whole Die Hard thing. They're never terrorists; they're actually thieves. They're sort of staying in Canada or nor- a north of the border hotel. And then John McClane and, and the cops and everyone arrives and they take down the terrorists in this sort of shootout with a helicopter. And John McClane says, say hello to your brother. And he shoots a wire and the helicopter explodes, blah, 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 blah. But the original ending, like a completely broken John McClane catches up with uh, Jeremy Simon. Irons, Simon Gruber. Gruber. At a, I can't remember where, but they play basically rush roulette, but instead of a gun, they do it with a bazooka. <laughs> it's really bizarre. And like tonally, it's like a bit, it's just kind of grim. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> test audiences hate it. And although the ending we eventually get isn't super great, um, it's a damn sign better than whatever the fuck was going on the original ending of Die Hard actually speaking of strange endings uh, one of my biggest memories of Die Hard 2 to just go back there was watching it years after it came out on Sky I think it was Sky 1 at the time and they cut out the motherfucker so he just goes Mm. and then it cuts to an explosion and I was like whatever age I was was disgusted at this egregious act (laughs) of editing the movie one of the most effective moments in the film. Uh, (laughs) No, I mean we we all grew up in that period I mean my, my I watched far years and years the tv version of the original die hard and he didn't say yippee motherfucker he said yippee kimo sabi and and like i can't to this day i can't watch my copy on dvd without hearing the tv versions i grew up with and it was also pan and scan there's a moment when sergeant powell like um is it reggie johnson yeah, Reginald Vell Johnson. Yeah, amazing. Um, he he shows up to scoot, snoop around the lobby of Nakatomi Plaza. Um, and there's a moment in the film where you can see just side, side of the frame is a terrorist with a gun. Um, and you see his life's in danger because if he just goes a little bit further around the corner, he's going to be machine gunned to death. But in my pan and scan version, you just see Agent Powell, Sergeant Powell there, and the music turns real sinister for no reason. <laughs> He's just walking around. It's like, what's happened? Is he left off a, left off a silent but deadly or something? <laughs> like, no, why is the music taking this sudden turn? 
Well, speaking of cutting motherfucker, uh, we should probably <laughs> just talk a little bit about the latter day Die Hard mm-hmm. mil- uh, movies because Die Hard 4.0 or Live Free or Die Hard had a whole thing because there was sort of PG 13 in it up. And so there was the motherfucker in there, but then they kind of like. Uh, I think he's a like gunshot over it or something. There's a gunshot yeah, over it. So he's he's kind of like self bleeping himself, you know. He's like um They did a harder cut though. Do you remember? They did a harder cut of Die Hard Four, where every time he turns his head, there's some extra swear words in there. Also when he's yeah. not facing the camera, basically. Yeah. ADR <laughs> and some blue language. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, I think the best thing that can be said about the most recent two diehards is that the the slogan for uh, what was the most recent one called? A good day to diehard was Yippie Kaye Mother Russia, and I thought that was good. That was probably the best thing about the last. Two. Yeah, you've um, you've just watched that, Rory. You did your service. I've not, I've not seen that final one. It has a game attached to it, though. Interestingly, but um, go ahead. Well, it's there's a two mobile games. I think there's like a kind of side scrolling kind of shooter thing. Um, with slightly yeah. cartoony graphics. And then there's like a sort of endless runner third person shooter game where you play as son of John Jack McLean, although actually he's John McLean Jr., but they call him Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, a Good Day to Die Hard, yeah, I watched it this week, directed by uh, John Moore, director of Matt's Pain, um, okay, of okay. course. And, I love these um, names. <laughs> it's written- all and and written stripped written by Skip Woods, who wrote the Hitman and Hitman Agent Forty Seven films. And I, I don't know what it is about his screenplays, but he seems to make very simple stories needlessly overcomplicated and throwing in a bunch of Russian gangsters just because it's like espionage and cool. Um, yeah. A Good Day to Die Hard is is not a good film to watch. <laughs> There's a lot of like <laughs> not a good film to watch. To watch. Like there's other, I you know I have fallen asleep in front of a few films this this December, um, so I like that sort of. I mean, you haven't detail. seen you haven't seen it at all, uh, Harry. No, sorry, you've what? never seen it. You've never seen uh, Die Hard Five at all. No, no. no if I if I have, my brain has damaged itself to save my soul. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Cut that part out. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. I mean, you should probably watch it at some stage just I remember just because. Seeing, I remember seeing the trailer for it, and the trailer is full of that. What what this piece of Beethoven is used in Ode Die to Joy. Hard. So the trailer was heavy on the Ode to Joy, and my lizard brain was like, oh, this sounds like Die Hard. <laughs> but I never got around to it because, and I suppose this is a good point to mention it, like Bruce Willis was not is not the charismatic star that he once was. And on this podcast, we've actually lampooned him quite a lot. I think we went for this real period of always taking the piss out of Bruce Willis. Well, you know, and, it was and just as, more as bafflement on the internet. Yes, yeah, it was just bafflement about his his recent choices of of movies because you know up until around about twenty nineteen, you know, he still he was in Glass, the sort of unbreakable split follow-up from M. Night Shyamalan. He was in Marvelous Brooklyn. He was meant to be good in that with, um, is that with Edward Norton? He even did a cameo in Lego Movie 2. But then sort of after that, there was just this string of of 
very cheapy, straight to video, uh, actiony, some sci-fi sort of stuff. And, you know, apparently sort of 20 or so of those films were all produced by the same person and these like 20 films in the past sort of two years, etc. And, you know, he only appears in these movies for like sort of 15 minutes and bads a, a couple million dollars in, in the process. Uh, whether or not that has anything to do with the announcement earlier this year that um, he was going to be retiring from acting, uh, citing diagnosis of uh, aphasia, which is a condition which affects language and, and speech and being able to communicate, and whether this was a case of him just like you know, taking the money and run and doing as much as he could up until this point, including, you know, there's still films of his uh, that he's made in this process to be released, including the final part of the Detective Knight trilogy, of which Redemption is a Christmas set action film, maybe his first since Die Hard, even though based on the trailer, he doesn't really do much or or have anything to do with most of the plot of the film. But yeah, I mean, it was the point that he was like, you know, winning Razzie Awards for appearances in films like Cosmic Sin. And then the Golden Raspberry Awards had to sort of renege on the award they gave after the diagnosis. So it was all like, you know, everyone was my bad. Sorry about it. It just reminds me of that Amy Winehouse documentary where you have a period where it shows just how like kind of vicious the public were about like her and then you realize she had a terribly tragic life. And I feel like I'm I'm now part of that, but with Bruce Willis, where I've been taking the mickey out of him for a while. I don't think we were we were ever that bad. I think we were just like I, questioning. I just, I just mm-hmm. hold so much guilt. I mean, so if he wants to sell his likeness to a Russian commercial so his <laughs> digital presence can feature in it and it pays just a little bit more for his retirement, he has given me loads of joy. So I want to say, if you're listening, Bruce Willis, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You couldn't have known. You couldn't have known. No. Let's be honest. I'm really sorry. Post Die Hard 5, he did reprise his role as John McClane once more, at least, in a car battery commercial for (laughs) Die Hard car batteries. No, that's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I remember seeing one in in Short Circuit 2. It was like, why is. Why is there a Die Hard battery in it? And, yeah, it's and product, isn't weren't it? they due to make a sixth movie as well that was half origin story, half <sighs> yeah. Bruce in modern times, let's I, say? I will say that's a that's a bullet dodged, I think. Mm. Because I think, and maybe we'll talk about this more when we talk about Die Hard video games, the, the big thing perhaps all the sequels are missing is that what makes Die Hard great, the whole point of Die Hard, is that he's just an average guy. He's a cop. But he's just he's just an average guy who's making fists with his toes in the carpet, and then <laughs> all hell breaks loose, and he he pushes through it by the skin of his teeth. And what I think reviews at the time were saying how what made him so different from his action contemporaries like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone is that they were kind of oiled, muscled, bound, invincible, shoot him up gods, and this guy, you know broken glass on the floor is a problem it's um you know it's and so i just distinctly remember as i'm sure many people did when john mcclain is sort of surfing on top of a harrier jump jet in in die live free and die hard or die hard 4.0 it's just it kind of loses kind of what makes die hard die hard absolutely yeah and with that change to that full-on 
over the top Hollywood action. Like he was obviously losing his charisma as well, like you said earlier. And you can really see that because the last few movies he was in, he just kind of gives everyone a side eye and like looks like he's smelling a fart. And that's basically his whole <laughs> report. And like, I'm not saying that. Bruce Willis would fart in an elevator and blame you. I'm, I'm now back live, on. I'm back on his shits list. I've done. Live free your fart hard. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a bit weird, just like seeing the evolution of John McClane as the character, just like in Die Hard 4.0. They really play up the whole idea. It's like he's an analog cop in a digital world. It's just like, was that like ever a, a thing? Was that ever his deal? Like he goes into. Um, there's a bit where Kevin Smith has an extended cameo as a character called Warlock. And he goes to his command center because he's a cyber hacker. And there's an appearance of Gears of War in the background. So there's a video game in a Die Hard movie. And it's just this kind of like weird, like butting of heads of, of stuff. And you get that a bit more in uh, a good day to Die Hard. Like it's, it's again positioning himself in this sort of like, you know, he's still like got New York cop street smarts, which is better than his son who now works with the CIA. And it's, it's a bit like, I'm not sure that was really part of like his deal what the... come on Ma. how many times i gotta tell you don't break people down here man i can't see too good is that a young bearded hand solo what happened man you lost so much weight no dude i gained 30 pounds oh, who is that well, oh that's... you know what doesn't matter dude what are you even doing here because you i'm rocking five generators just so i can stay online and since you're being hunted by assassins it doesn't really make me think like this visit is very productive or healthy use of my time even. hey 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 don't don't touch that all right CB radio? A little low tech for you guys, isn't it? Low tech. Dude, that, my friend, is an end of the world insurance system, okay? So when the last microchip goes down, I won't be able to stay in touch with whoever's out there, whether they be zombies or not. I'll tell you that right now. What'd you bring your dad here for? He's cool. He's into the whole gaming culture. Nice poster. Oh, what, like you a big fan of the fat? No. He's always more of a Star Wars guy. Oh, uh, Star Wars kidding. guy. Who is this man? He's my hey, dump truck. I'm not his dad. I'm a cop. How about that? I'm oh, a, police a cop. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. Why'd you bring a cop into my command center? <laughs> command center. It's a basement. It's a command center. Don't help McLean. I can explain. Just tell us what you know about Thomas Gabriel, all right? That's why we came here. Thomas Gabriel. That's hey. cool. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Get out! I want you out of here, Right now. Hey, hey, hey calm down. Calm down, 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 big boy. You calm down. That's my house. You're going to tell me what I want to know, or I'm going to beat you to death in your own house. And although, like, I, I did, I mean, I meant my apology to Bruce Willis. <laughs> now we're talking about Die Hard 4. I'm just, I am just wondering, I do think he had a bit of a reputation for not giving a shit and, and not really listening to people for quite some time. Like Hudson Hawk comes to mind, which is a passion project. Yeah. I will admit I've not seen it and I absolutely know that it's got a second. It's, it's been reevaluated, but apparently that was the film where he had more control than perhaps a star should have. And didn't they spend loads of money like airbrushing his bald spot out? Oh. That's, yeah, that was a very strange film. Uh, I kind of don't know who that was for or what it was about, but yeah. Um, there was a video game of it, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. Uh, I, I gave you a thing for Christmas, uh, like a, a, a 45 single of his, uh, from his album, The Return of Bruno. Um, did I give you like a, yes. a copy of the record single for Secret Agent Man, James Bond is back, sung by Bruce Willis? You did. I do. I, I treasure that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he has maybe like, I think he, you know, perhaps at the time had sort of self-awareness. And I think like 
even you know later on you know he did still have like good performances and things like you know moonrise kingdom but also he's just like you know obviously quite happy to take an easy check whenever it's um uh whenever it's required yeah i think there's a big change between um you know with a vengeance and live free Mm. where he just he's not he's no longer like you said the wrong place wrong time kind of guy he's just this curmudgeon old man and i think you can only get away with that once in a movie which is why i'm worried about the new indiana jones movie as well but they kind of did it twice in a row it's like <laughs> let's pick one of his children and make him really wizened and rugged and kind of old and doesn't care anymore and then let's do it again a few years later i don't think you can do that twice in a row i don't really want to inv- invite accusations of ageism but i think we do um when we create these characters, we, their age is an important factor because your age also gives you a certain amount of experience. I can't remember how old John McClane is in the first film. I'm going to say early 40s, but then it seems like the, the further back you go in film history, the older people look. <laughs> and so... Absolutely. In is like, said, yeah. I can't remember. Mid-30s, maybe. Yeah, I mean... There's you a, know, Bill Murray was only supposed to be 19 in Ghostbusters. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> no, bottom line there's a reason why they cast james bonds as being like 35 to like late 30s um there's something intrinsic about it and like when so like you you want to be superman you don't want to be old superman and i think the most impressive thing in indiana jones and the crystal skull i saw was when he climbed a stack of boxes without breaking a sweat i was like crikey i couldn't do that (laughs) um so I don't know. Yeah. So I'm a bit worried. I mean, just just getting on my soapbox a moment. I love Blade Runner 2049 until Harrison Ford shows up because he shows up in his fucking grey t-shirt and jeans. And I've seen him walking down the street of Glasgow in that same outfit. That is, that is 100% his civvies. He just <laughs> rocks up and is so disinterested. And everything... And Oh, God, man. I Every... Twitter is full of people loving Blade Runner 2049 and they're all wrong. It's great. <laughs> it's great up until a point. Because... I'd like to think that Harrison Ford actually showed up to set dressed like he does when he does for Halloween because you've seen pictures of him dressed up as a nun or like oh, he's painted green like a pea pod. And then they're like, get him yeah. into hair and makeup. And then they just like, remove all the green paint and <laughs> stick him in a t-shirt. <laughs> oh. Then they gave him that, like his hair was fine in The Force Awakens. But when he appears at the end of, spoilers, Rise of Skywalker, his wig is just yeah. bizarre. It totally threw me off more than his character just being there for no reason. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I'm <laughs> Sorry, gonna, that was there's, tangent. There's Jones game, so maybe we'll do that one day. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Patrick, should we actually talk about the games now? Well, I, I think just before we dip into the diehard video games themselves, I just want to just uh, talk a little bit more about Bruce Willis's career and that he's never been in a video game movie, although maybe G.I. Joe Retaliation is yeah, just a Joe movie based on a toy. I think that's the closest that, that we get. He was tied to an adaptation of Kane and Lynch, um, a video game adaptation which was going to be him starring opposite Billy Bob Thornton. Um, I can, oh my god, that sounds amazing! Even if it wasn't connected to a video game, because they were in Bandits, that was a film yeah, together. Yeah. Um, and then Billy Bob Thornton dropped out and was replaced by Jamie Foxx. And then obviously that film didn't get made because I think no one knows what Kane and Lynch is anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
no more than Army of Two, which was also around the same time. <laughs> yeah. Those co-op games. But uh, notably, Bruce Willis himself appeared in a video game called Apocalypse, released on the PlayStation in 1998. And I remember that being a really big deal because this was, while there'd obviously been video games based on films, Chris, uh, as you were writing a book on that very subject at the moment, you'll, you'll know. But the, there wasn't so much movie stars appearing in video games not based on existing property, so to speak. So I remember it being a really big deal at the time. And he was sort of fully sort of scanned in and did the mocap, etc. And it was developed by Neversoft um, and published by Activision. And Neversoft would actually use that engine or a version of that engine and rework it to create the engine as the basis for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, as well as their own Spider-Man game. So we have Bruce Willis to thank for <laughs> for making the Goldfinger's career so so brilliant. <laughs> Two things. I was going to ask. Wasn't he was scanned into being that Armageddon? But did he just like look like a blocky PlayStation Minecraft man or something? Uh yeah, pretty much. I mean, we're talking <laughs> like nineteen ninety eight PlayStation Polygon. So he's there. He does provide some voiceover, but there's not a huge amount. I think they kind of got rid of a lot of the script because originally you were sort of like he was like a, a surrogate, another Bruce Willis movie surrogates um, mm. character. <laughs> of the of the player um but then you control him instead in the in the final product the character trey kincaid who has to stop an evil scientist from unleashing the four horsemen of the apocalypse what a name i mean (laughs) what a name one of my top five movies happens to be the fifth element and court dallas is right up there as well so he's, he's a man of many names he is in the Fifth Element video game as a playable character. That's what I was going to ask next, because there is a Fifth yeah. Element video game, which I've not had the pleasure. There is, indeed. Or dis- have, you, have you managed to give that a whirl, Chris, at all? I have, indeed. Uh, it is actually surprisingly decent. Excellent. <laughs> do you have yeah. well, to no, collect I'm the Fifth Element? Do you have to, like, oh, yeah, you do, yeah, have yeah. a handful yeah. of you dirt? You have to collect jigsaw pieces. No, you don't. Um yeah, no, you, you play as Lilu and you play as Corbin Dallas in separate levels. His ones are more third-person shootery and hers are kind of hand-to-hand mm. kind of combat. Can you like... But uh, it's decent. I haven't played the whole thing, but I played enough to write about it. I, I can imagine and I'm sure I... writing a book like this, you, you, you honestly could re- what, play every game to completion. <laughs> oh, it's it was a joy, to be honest. Yeah, There were some games now, like those new diehard apps that are just un- inaccessible now, so I had to just do as much research as I could on them but mm. you know looking at videos and stuff I don't know if I really needed to play them but um, the fifth element yeah it's decent as they go Um, but I'm also a big fan of you know blocky clunky things like small soldiers from back then as well which had a really good slash awful game on the PS1 <laughs> was that awesome was that I loved by it. Joe yeah. Dante was that uh, small soldiers yeah it was yeah. I recently yeah. watched gremlins on my older binge i think there's been a few yes. some interesting That's gremlins awesome. games anyway there has yeah, gremlins. yeah. sorry we're moving away from die yeah. but uh, small soldiers is a great movie actually it really holds up well if you watch it now i watched it with my kids last year this time last year i'd say and it's surprisingly decent actually. it's not a christmas film but it's about toys so uh it's you know topical <laughs> it's thematic yeah true but yeah, I mean, this Apocalypse game, like I, I haven't played it myself, but yeah, I just remember like it being a big deal at the time. But it's weird because like you would think 
this is like someone slumming it, but you know, it was released in 1998 and that was the same year that Armageddon came out. And then the year after that, uh, the Sip Sense came out. So this was like, aside from Die Hard, like the peak of his career, at least at the box office. So I don't think it really kind of made a huge amount of impact beyond helping the Tony Hawk's pro skater engine out. But um, uh, yeah, it's just like a weird notable thing because it's not the kind of actor you would necessarily expect to do something like that. But then I guess there was maybe a lot of money involved. So maybe, (laughs) maybe it was in the end. Welcome to Apocalypse, a hot new game from Activision that is the first to texture map a real person's face onto a CG model's body. Welcome to paradise, kid. And that face belongs to action movie star Bruce Willis. Time to get jacked up for Armageddon. Bruce Willis stars as Trey Kincaid, your virtual partner in the Apocalypse adventure. Motion capture technology was used to fully integrate Bruce into the game. Apocalypse is set in a dark and violent future where science and religion are competing forces of society. You can run, but you can't hide! A false prophet called the Reverend has called up the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Death, war, beast, and plague, played by the rock singer Poe. These four forces of destruction roam the earth in human disguise and await a signal to obliterate humanity altogether. Your job is to keep this from happening, and your number one asset is Trey Kincaid. Of course, saving the world has never been an easy job. In order to make you feel completely absorbed into the world of Apocalypse, new techniques were used to heighten the game-playing experience. By taking a motion capture approach, Bruce's actions were digitized and could be manipulated for a variety of moves. Dynamic or intelligent camera technology adjusts the camera to the best angle for the current play. Bruce's input in every step of the process has also added a considerable amount to the game. Apocalypse by Activision. Yeah, I was just thinking there of you know actors involved in video games and stuff like that. There was I, I, his name is escaping me now. Freddie Prince Jr.'s character in Wing Commander. What is he called again? I can't remember. I wrote it in the book, He's the, but I can't remember now. Yeah. Why? Um, but he, Mark Hamill, played that character. You know, in kind of FMV. Mm-hmm footage in Wing Commander 3 and 4, I think. But that was before then they recast him with Freddie Prince Jr. presumptuous of you to think we'd remember the name of that character. (laughs) (laughs) It's a deep cut. I actually... It'll come come to me later and I'll shout it dramatically, but go on. Yeah, it's like... Is it like a paladin? Something like that. Pilgrim? Oh. Yes. No, he is a pilgrim. He is a pilgrim. his power is... What is his name? Oh well, that's that's for another time. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I have the internet right here, but I choose not to look it up. Wing Commander, what is his name? But you're quite right. I mean, obviously, there's times? been like actors in in FMV sequences or, or voice actors, and you know, lots of that kind of stuff. But I guess this was, you know, sort of the idea was, oh, you look, it's Bruce Willis. Him. You play as him in a video game, except it's as you say, he looks like he's made out of cardboard boxes and <laughs> Bruce Willis's yeah. face painted on. Uh, his name is Christopher Blair. So he's the same name as me, and I couldn't even remember. Christopher Blair. So. Christopher Blair. <laughs> Christopher Blair. I, another side uh, track on this uh, video game movies is the 3DO version of Demolition Man, the video mm-hmm. game. Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Sloan recorded new footage just for that game that isn't in the movie. Oh. And There's there were Charles for they were so great with the Enter the Matrix's own footage. Oh, I was so into that when it came out. <laughs> I, I love that. Demolition Man first. Yeah. 
Another. <laughs> Set the standard. <laughs> um, cool. So, diehard video games. Um, we've been talking a bit off mic. We were talking about how we did a Ghostbusters episode a couple of uh, weeks ago, a couple of months ago. Um, and there's a huge number of Ghostbusters video games. Um, but diehards, a little bit less. But some big hitters, though. Like, uh, if we do, the, do go around the digital table, like, have you played many uh, at all? I have played... I'm sure I've played... I don't think I've played all of the versions of the original Die Hard because it was on about five or six different consoles and they were all various types of things. But for me, the two that I played the most would be the original trilogy on PS1, which you guys had on PC, and uh, Vendetta, which we had in the GameCube. One of my older brothers had, but those were my two go-tos at the time. I just loved them. Um, I did play, I'm sure I played, yeah, I, I played a little bit of Die Hard 2 uh, this time around for this book, which is a kind of a, uh, not a light, a light gun shooter without the light gun, where you're just guiding a crosshair around and shooting people and all that. And then I also played Nakatomi Plaza, which is a strange first person, really empty first person shooter that is not great. But apart from that, I think that's all I've played. Yeah, I didn't play the two new apps. Like I said, I just kind of toyed around with info I could find or videos. But yeah, Die Hard Trilogy is peak for me, mm. <laughs> personally. I think that the, sort of the Die Hard games can be sort of separated uh, into those which are sort of directly based on the films and those which are not. So, you know, you have from the mm-hmm. very start something like Die Hard, as you say, like on the early consoles, like on the NES, um, at least the kind of footage I saw of it, I haven't played it, but it seemed like what Hotline Miami, you know, did later, you know, that sort of top down, just shooting anything which appears yeah, on the screen. Yeah, that's right. Sort of situation. It looks incredibly hard. It's a bit almost heli as well. You kind of have to, if you stop, you will die. Like you need to just keep moving circles, circles mm. and shoot and shoot and all that kind of thing. The Turbo Graphics one is actually probably the best one, okay. I would say, of the older ones. It's got these chunky sprites and just looks, you know, those old arcade games with big character models that just look nice. I was just about That's to say, I, I looked through an evolution of Die Hard video and like my jaw kind of dropped when I saw the Turbo Graphics one because the movement of the legs, he, he moves really slickly. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of frames and like, you know, wow, look at those trousers go. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, Bruce, did, uh, did Bruce Willis motion capture... Uh... The Turbo Graphics. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah. And you can moonwalk and everything in it. Um, some of those older. Like, there's, there's it it God... was impressive, but like if you were to see that in in real life, it was like a man sort of sort of gliding across the carpet in a very. I don't know. It looks a bit strange. I think you'd run away from him life. if you saw that he was able to do that. You'd be like, I'm out of here. I'm not fighting this guy. <laughs> then Die Hard Two, Die Harder from 1992. That's the one you mentioned that you actually played. Um, yeah. I kind of I had on the NES Operation Wolf, and it's kind of like that. So the the camera is scrolling around and you're shooting, mm-hmm. shooting. I mean, again, like I think about this with the James Bond games, they turn these characters into like mass murderers. <laughs> you know, in yeah. Die Hard, it's really weird. There's a tagline for Die Hard I absolutely love. Um, it's like twelve terrorists, the no, forty floors, twelve terrorists, one cop. The odds are stacked against John McClane, and that's just the way he likes it. It's 
badass tagline. But if you watch the film, he spends the whole film moaning about the situation. Yeah. He's not he's not loving this at all. <laughs> yeah. And like, it kind of takes has... away from that every encounter in that movie is kind of filled with tension. But in the game, like you said, he's just plowing through enemies. <laughs> so yeah, it loses a bit of its, you know, tension. The idea that John McClane would be like, mm, six terrorists, 20 floors, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. They actually it's took great... that premise then with of that Die Hard 2 video game and put it into the Die Hard 2 sections in the two trilogy games because they're both kind of light guns and probably ironically my yeah. favourite moments of those games too, just like the movie. <laughs> well, while we're talking about the original film games and Die Hard Arcade, it's so it's very loosely based on Die Hard, but in a sort of delightful way. Uh, for, for for one for, for one thing, the president's daughter is, I'm assuming, at the party at the Nak, uh, um, the Nakatomi party. It's always well, the president's daughter. It's it's diehard your daughters. Diehard arcade is is quite an interesting, strange property because the reason it exists is because Sega had uh, an excess number of STV arcade boards. So they had all these arcade boards swimming around, and they also just so happened to have the Die Hard license. So they were like, huh, let's just put these two together. And they made what is known in Japan as Dynamite Decca. Um, but because mm-hmm. in Japan, they did not actually have that Die Hard license. So in the West, it's called Die Hard Arcade, and you play as John McClane, and also there's a secondary female character, Chris Thompson. In the Japanese version... You're Bruno Dellinger and Cindy Holiday, and it's it's like a it's it's sort of like Die Hard, but not in the sense that it's in a skyscraper and you're playing as John McClane. But yeah, it's not meant to be like the whole. You're you're, you're helicoptered in. That's the thing. Yeah, aren't you? (laughs) It's not meant to be like a light for like Nakatomi Plaza situation because yes you have the president's daughter you, you have the villain wolf white fang uh hongo is is the villain and if you're if you're playing it that's how i'm going to refer to yeah alan rickman that's his character name now <laughs> um hongo. Hongo. <laughs> and it's it's one of those uh i think also if you're playing it two player when you get to the end you both have to fight each other even though it's a co-op game to win the president's daughter's appreciation kind of like double dragon so that's yeah it's like double dragon yeah Yeah. and i remember when we got our dreamcast that we got dynamite cop then was our first game we ever got with dreamcast and that's you're probably gonna say something about that next actually that was the i mean sequel then yeah exactly so that's that's the thing so Die Hard arcade was like the one and done with the license but then dynamite cop Mm. is dynamite decker 2 no longer having the diehard license, so it's Bruno Dellinger again in all territories. Uh, this time you have like a pet monkey, um, and you have to. I just fight want the... to see a diehard movie where he's fighting a giant octopus at one point. <laughs> I mean, is that what happens? Yes, I mean, because like, so it's the same villain and antagonist again. It's the president's daughter again, but it's all like modern day pirate stuff. So it's all set on a on a cruise ship. And yeah, I guess just like Die Hard Arcade, it's it's a lot of fun, and I played it in the arcades, and yeah, we played it a lot yeah, on the Dreamcast. It's tremendous fun. It's like a top tier 
Sega arcade beat em up. And, you know, we're and I, we often say we grew up as Nintendo kids, but I feel like Sega's never lost its arcade something about it. It's yeah. great. It's like, Absolutely. don't give a fuck type gaming. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely. Yeah. I can only imagine the president being like, not again. What's <laughs> my daughter? <laughs> And then, like, he sends his daughter off to Spain, and then Resident Evil 4 happens. He's like, oh, for Ooh. God's sake, my flipping yeah, daughter. <laughs> everything's in the same universe, like you said, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, they also did that with, I, like, I just I had to look it up here because I remember writing about it in the book. Uh, there was a game called Operation Stealth, you know, and everywhere but the US, it was Operation Stealth. And then in the US, it was 007, the Stealth Affair. What? So they changed, they changed the main character of John Glames into James Bond, <laughs> just for America. Wow, I did not know that. There that, you go. That so that's a similar mind. type of thing, even though it isn't uh, arcade action pack beat up But yeah. I mean, James Bond, Bond is it, fam- James Bond is famous for wearing a tuxedo at the drop of a hat. And I guess mm-hmm. Die Hard is famous for, he's always wearing his tank top. Like, <laughs> um, I was watching a, a review of Die Hard Vendetta, which is other than Die Hard Trilogy, the other Die Hard game I really, really played. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's wearing a vest at all times, in like no matter the situation. And it's like, just, imagine the guy, he's always there wearing his tank top. And I think the idea is like hairy shoulders. To justify it, they try and like make him like a slob. Like, you know, in, in Die Hard Vendetta, he's like sort mm. of like old and washed up and he's at home. And I think in the opening cutscene to Die Hard Trilogy 2, he's like just in an apartment and he's on his own with like pizza boxes and stuff like strewn around. And it's just like, again, I know he's like living the dream. Sorry. (laughs) I know like in Die Hard with a Vengeance, it's like, he's, he's having a tough life at a tough time and that kind of stuff. He's, you know, nursing a hangover and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I I think it's like, it, it is just, Oh, it's him. It's, he's got to be in the vest, you know, just, Regardless, because otherwise we won't know who it I will is. I'll say, so I, I I watched Jingle all the way as far as my Christmas film binge, and like I realized just how many Christmas films are about like a deadbeat dad who's like shopping on Christmas Eve, <laughs> and as a kid, I'd watch these films thinking, who, what kind of asshole does this Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve, and then like every year of my adult life, I've been I've been like, I am that <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like oh man i forget you get paid like a, sometimes a day before christmas yeah. i will say i've done my christmas shopping i'm done with my christmas shopping Bravo. that's excellent you should be proud <laughs> but i think you're you're right there rory it's like they only knew well definitely in Die Hard with the vengeance they still knew him but after that they just lost a handle on what made him a great character like he isn't like he doesn't have to have his own equivalent of a fedora. He doesn't have to have his dirty vest that he wears while eating pizza. You know, he just needs to be John McClane in over his head. That's what it is, and they kind of lost that. I think after that, even though those games are enjoyable, I will say, like, if I ever wore a vest, I would I would feel like if I was wear, wearing an Indiana Jones fedora, I'd feel a little bit like I was John McClane, or like when I'm wearing a t- when I'm wearing a smart suit, I feel a little bit like James Bond. If I ever walking through a building in a dirty vest and barefoot. I'm like, oh, I feel a bit like John McClane. <laughs> <laughs> I should go to my work Christmas party like that, see what happens. Um, Welcome idea. to the party, pal. Should we talk about Die Hard? <laughs> <laughs> should I talk about Die Hard Trilogy? Because we've all played that, and that's a, yeah. I think 
as you said earlier, Chris, I think that's the peak, isn't it? And I think it's a, a rare treat in video games where you get three. It really feels like three complete games in one. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, I just, I think, I don't know if it's the peak in quality, but it's definitely the peak in memory and nostalgia for me anyway. Um, yeah, like if you get bored with one, you're like, oh, I'll do a few levels of Die Hard of the Vengeance and I get my driver crazy taxi fix. You know, it just had so much going for it. Like, I think really enjoyed it. I feel like if you played it today, certain things will feel a bit unplayable. You notice like the draw distance of, I think, all of the games. But um, it only felt really super generous, but the soundtrack completely slapped. Um, <laughs> I would happily have any of those tracks played at my funeral, to be honest. Um <laughs> Maybe that menu music when you're selecting a game and it's a bit Christmassy and there's a, an anticipation to it. And people would be like, when is Harry's casket going to appear? I don't know. Anyway. You could move between the games to get all those sweet sound bites, you know. People, yeah. I don't know if it even was Samuel L. Jackson sound alike shouting things out at you. <laughs> In my mind's eye, they were great impressions of the characters. But I bet if I watched, if I played it again now, it would definitely not sound like Sam Jackson. You would, you would do a better one yourself, I'm sure. Speaking of John McClane with weird floaty legs, though, he really does have strange movement in that <laughs> first section that's based on the original movie, where he kind of is side like a crab, like he needs to go to the toilet kind of walk that he has going on <laughs> as the blood sprays generously. I definitely distinctly remember that him like walking over like hamburgers to get health, which is kind of a video game cliche, I know, but... I think maybe it was the first time I've seen such a thing of 3D and I thought, that's a bit strange. <laughs> um, but it was Rory's copy, I remember. Well, so, uh... I think we sort of borrowed it originally. I played it on a friend's PlayStation and then borrowed his PlayStation and the game at one point. So we just played it over and over and over. And then I got like the PC version just to carry it on because actually with like the PC was quite good for like the... So the first game is like a third person shooter thing where you go through different levels of the National Time Plaza building have to shoot terrorists and i think each you have a time limit and you have to sort of get to the elevator to sort of or what defuse the bomb or something before the whole like level you rescue hostages and things like yeah, that yeah so, before the level yeah. explodes second game based on the second film it's a it's a light gun style game and third is like driving action game we have to drive around and run over bombs to defuse them in in, in this <laughs> instance which is you know perfect video game logic but there was enough variety within those uh, sections. And yeah, the light gun bit is a bit like Virtua Cop. It's not massively great, but actually on the PC, you could just use the mouse to kind of click. I had quite a few like light gun games mm. on the PC, but just, you know, mouse clicking. I had like Aero 51, House of the Dead, because those were my sort of preferred formats. Yeah. Um, and later life, like whenever I asked Rory to find a folder in his computer, he's just click, so click, quick click, at getting. <laughs> That's look, why. Look at that mouse pointer fly. Yeah. No one, no one I was a big it. fan of um, Iron Maiden. Had a video game called Ed Hunter. I don't know if you ever played that. I but think that, I saw played, that in arcades. You played through all of the kind of album covers with Eddie around the place, but like that, it was a light gun game with mouse controls, and it was just great <laughs> or terrible. <laughs> but I thought it was great. Okay, cowboy, here's the odds. You've got an exploding building, a hijacked airport, an entire city under siege, and every 
place you go is crawling with armed terrorists. You, you're just a cop in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh yeah, and you're not wearing any shoes. Prepare to die hard. video games in one explosive package, the Die Hard Trilogy, now available on PC, CD-ROM, Sega Saturn, and Sony PlayStation from Fox Interactive. yippee ki I think it's such a shame that they just don't make games like that anymore, by which I mean they only made like one, which is Die Hard Trilogy, and then a sequel, Die Hard Trilogy 2, Viva Las Vegas, which mm-hmm. I believe is a similar split in gameplay styles. Did any of you play that at all? I played it, but a lot less than the original. I don't think we ever bought it. I think we probably rented it maybe for a night. But um, I think it was our connection to the movies that made yes. us like the original one so much. And this one was a new story, which is fine. But we didn't connect with it the same way. I think it was also personally. a different development team. The first one was developed by Probe, um, which was a UK studio. Mm-hmm. And um, they also developed the Alien trilogy, um game on playstation although apparently the diehard trilogy team was like a smaller more inexperienced team but that gave them a bit more kind of creative freedom to just do whatever they liked and i think that sort of you know much like the story of how goldeneye got made it's a lot of people making up as they go along and just trying stuff out and it ends up like being incredibly playable and and um you know one of the sort of top sort of uh games based on uh based on movies I guess they made the sequel because it was a surprise success in some respects. It's not always a guarantee that a licensed uh, game is going to do well. But yeah, I, I haven't. I didn't play Die Hard Trilogy two. I, I watched some of it in action, and it it's like seems okay, but just a bit, you know, less kind of vibrant and lively and repetitive. That's a, more repetitive. That's exactly it. It lost, it lost a lot of the charm. What are your yeah. favorite sections? I feel like I've got such a fondness for the vengeance one because i think i was one of the first times i could drive around what seemed to be like an actual city in 3d but i'll say the first section is not without its charm though i i'd agree completely with that i think three or with the vengeance was the one that we definitely played the most like and returned to the most i know there was something about it even though you know you'd be cursing mm-hmm. your soul out when you'd have 10 seconds left yes, bomb and I'm your just... star won't reverse and you can't you can see the bomb yeah. right there and you just yeah. almost made it i can't see any of the buildings because they've all disappeared but i can see the bomb <laughs> and the soundtrack i guess for the city for die hard of vengeance that was the best music it didn't um, have like a sample doesn't it have like flavor flavor going like yeah boy <laughs> boy <laughs> We use I didn't that know Flav, anyway. Flav, but I mean, I'm trying to think of any other film series which could support like a trilogy type game. And you mentioned Alien trilogy, and as far as I'm mm-hmm. aware, though, those are three separate shooter. It's all shooting in the Alien trilogy. Is that correct? Alien trilogy is all the same gameplay, really. It's mm. it's just a first person shooter, but you play through the three storylines. But they're very, you know, obviously you you can't just fight one alien. I feel like, though, the if they really thought about it, they could have done, like, the first alien is kind of a bit like Pac-Man, where you're being chased around by an alien. And then aliens could be, like, action, shooting, shooting. And then, like, the third game, 
could be like a puzzle game kind of where you're closing doors off just like in the midsection of alien three so you know yeah. it would be mostly a puzzler but with like a first person shooters in the middle of it all i guess um, most kind of film trilogy video games that you've had recently have all been like lego star wars or or you know lego indiana jones taking the installments mm. but they're just like extra levels of the same same gameplay i'm not sure what you would yeah yeah I just love the idea of different genres. I know there's the risk of like Jack of all trades, master of none, but I just, I feel like Die Hard Trilogy did it just not perfect, but did it really well. And it's a, a bit of a shame that we haven't seen the like. Mm. Um, I'd love to see something like that again. And I'd, I'd also love to see uh, something I thought while I was writing these books was, I really like the super Star Wars games. I don't know if you've ever played oh, yeah, those. Yeah. Like, on the, like no, they just, they they still hold up really well. Like they're smooth and they look great and everything. I would love to see them do the other six, uh, yeah, episodes in that saga. But you know, just bring them back uh, as downloadable games or whatever yeah, super, on modern consoles. They call it super Last super Jedi. the Phantom Menace. Yes, you know, super <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker. Let them redeem those movies a bit by giving them this treatment. I think that would be so cool. Like like the Mummy Demastered game that came out. I don't know if you saw that. You know, that was based on that Tom Cruise movie that mm. no one watched. Um, I don't think I even watched it all the way through. Um, but the game is like so much better than that movie well, yeah. <laughs> because it's made by way forward and it's like a Metroidvania and they need to take older movies like that and redo them with, you know, older mechanics. Like the way they did with, you know, they went back to the warriors with rockstar and they made such a cool old movie into such a cool modern game. I just love that. I wish they'd do more of that. I think I mentioned in an earlier episode, there's games like Fight Club, which completely missed the point. And I kind of want to go, I want to have a little holiday to myself and play all these games which missed the points, like Fight Club, and I think it was a Godfather game and a Scarface game. So, yeah, I'll report back on that. Definitely. Uh, it's worth it's worth the trip, I think. <laughs> I guess the weirdest adaptation that we, we had on the PlayStation was World's Scariest Police Chasers, the video game. <laughs> I forgot I've got that. Oh, Sheriff Jabernell. Sheriff Jabernell. Yeah. These perps don't oh, know yeah. what's coming. It's so good. This criminal doesn't know. Star of Bad Santa. <laughs> I forgot well. it's in Bad Santa. No, I remember. It was like. It was kind of like. I also rinsed uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I, I rinsed that game on the PS1 <laughs> back in the day until they started to see the same questions pop up again. And listen to Chris Tarrant saying the same thing over. Become a millionaire every round. And, um, um, yeah. Yeah. Did you actually, exactly. Did he win then? Are you a millionaire now? I was like, yeah, yeah. The money just flew out of the PS One. Amazing. The disc tray just switch <laughs> flew out like a stripper. Um, I don't know. I haven't got much to say about Daiho Nakatomi Plaza because that. Well, it's it's like a straight up it's very adaptation drab. of the first movie. So like. It's mm. it's it's you know it's like recreating scenes from the movie and sort of cut scenes and and like trying to sort of basically tell the story and was only released on PC and you and you played that Chris right? I, I did yeah yeah I just think it it's too it still has that feeling of making John McClane into the you know having a big chain of bullets over his chest blasting people with multiple guns at once action hero thing um, it's just it just has no atmosphere it's kind of just soulless compared to something like vendetta i feel it's it's harmless but uh yeah it wouldn't be the go-to game for die hard i think one of the good great video game 
adaptations is is alien isolation which i think makes you really feel vulnerable and just thinking about imagine doing that but instead of like a xenomorph it's a person sort of speaking german but not really because <laughs> <laughs> if, if there's one yeah. if there's one thing i i would strike against the movie die hard is that didn't famously no one actually speak german so it's like total gibberish when they're running around shouting at each other so um yeah, if you could just make a diehard game where you really feel that you're threatened, your life is threatened, that would be pretty good. That's my idea. Rip off Alien yeah. Isolation. Perfect. Yeah. You can't do no wrong with that. It's the same engine uh, crawling through vents as most of yeah. that game, right? And then the la- Even then Hans Gruber grabs you by the ankle and pulls you out of an air vent and sucks <laughs> you with his long tail. Okay, yeah, I hope he walks around the same way that the alien does too. I would pay to see that. <laughs> Uh, Alan Rickman's um, second set of jaws comes out of his mouth. <laughs> oh god! I think yeah, Nakatomi Plaza is decent, but it's nothing major. In in the you know, I think it passed a lot of people by. I don't even know if I played it around the time it released in two thousand and two. I think it was more recently that I first even realized it existed. Mm. But yeah, it, it's there. It's fine. And yeah, because that came out two thousand two, and that's the same year as. Die Hard Vendetta. At least that came out on the GameCube 2002 and then came out subsequently, I think the year later on PS2 and Xbox. But we played the GameCube version. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, because we, as we've mentioned before, we're Nintendo kids, we were kind of really hyped <laughs> about this, not only because of the legacy of Die Hard games, but Nintendo GameCube was pretty starred for decent first person shooters. And so I think when it arrived on the PlayStation, two and an xbox people like yeah whatever (laughs) but but like i remember all these magazines who are obviously kind of really biased towards nintendo consoles saying this is like the shooter for the gamecube and it kind of came out and it's like it's all right (laughs) it's pretty i mean i I watched a review of this earlier today and they were really negative about it actually and i can see why it's yeah it wasn't the the gun i think the the problem is the the gunplay wasn't really anything to write home about at the end of the day was mm-hmm. it um no and i think it's it's die hard is funny because there's nothing other than john McClane himself there's nothing instantly die hardy about everything in the series do you know what i mean you, like when it's indiana jones you know he's got the whip you know the setting is going to be somewhere in the 30s 40s whatever this is just could be any cop in any city doing anything it's like w- what ties it to you know, it's not like we're over delving into the world we love to play around with John McClane. No, it's just it's a first person shooter. I still like the game, but Die Hard doesn't have that. You know, it doesn't have that. And it's talking about the greasy vest. I know. I mean, I mean, what else does it have? I mean, I, I did. So I played that a lot. But yeah, you're right. There's some weird additions to Die Hard Vendetta. Like there is bullets time. And there's a yeah. and there's a bit where you, I think if you build up some sort of um, gauge, you can activate like some sort of hero thing, which, time which free hero, hero time yeah hero time and then and that has all to joy playing exactly in the and you basically yeah. become quicksilver from those x-men films so you can run around <laughs> shooting people it's like i remember did that happen i'd like to see it from like the terrorists perspective what's happening that suddenly this like i mean it's it's sort of set post die hard with a vengeance and so like john mcclain's like graying and uh yeah just wearing a vest but all yeah, of a little sudden did we know all of a sudden this Willis would lose all his hair all of <laughs> All of a sudden, this like fifty-year-old man in a vest starts like zipping around like Sonic the Hedgehog. 
Yeah, it was a strange, strange choice. I suppose Max Payne was probably just out around that time. Or was it after that? I think it was Max Payne 2003. I'm pretty sure, yeah. by Max Payne or The Matrix. Well, I suppose The Matrix was still in the zeitgeist at that time. Everything bullet time. Cooler if it was in slow motion. Every time you shot everything, you couldn't shoot a person without some ripple trails coming out after him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But... there's some voice cast. Sorry, there was some. I mean, Bruce Willis didn't return, but we did have um, Sergeant Powell being voiced by yeah. Reggie Johnson. Right. Uh, didn't have like Richard William Atherton in it as well. I think I recall. So he plays he plays Richard Thornburg, the the journalist, the you know, the man you love to hate, who also features in Ghostbusters, the Dickless from Ghostbusters. <laughs> I would love for Die Hard game to just be about him, where you're just going around upsetting people with your aggressive journalist and journalism. It'd be like Nightcrawler. Like Nightcrawler make a great video game? We talked about it in a previous episode, yeah. I think. But I'm thinking about L.A. Noir, where you can sort of use different dialogue choices oh, that would be perfect, to like upset people yeah. and you just select. Like, tell, tell child they'll never see their mum again. <laughs> Button. <laughs> Does the game warn you that it's going to upset them, or do you just have to take a you chance take and hope chance. that you do? I think I think okay, you I like get that. just in pursuit of a of a good story. So you get like doesn't matter who you upset in the process, as long as yeah. you get the material that your producer demands, uh, you're golden. And yeah, that's it. And you win the I game. Think, I think Vendetta. Oh, go on. Yeah. No, I was just going to say I think Vendetta had some good things going for it. In that I was enamored with the GameCube at the time, so I just loved anything that was. I wouldn't consider myself a fanboy, but if there was something that was just on the GameCube, I was like, that's cool. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And I love the controller. So playing as John McClane with that, and it wasn't on anything else, I was like, this is so cool. I think it does have <laughs> like a few things going for it. I think, yeah, maybe as a first-person shooter, it's it's pretty you know generic. But I think it uses the license a little bit better than maybe some of the other games like it does try and tell a story it does try and tie things into the fact that you have like the daughter lucy mcclain she's now a cop in the lapd you have hans gruber's son it's the fact that it's sort of set in la means you have some sort of variety so you have like a say stage set in the sort of chinese theater um you go to the homes observatory there's, you know, a return to Nakatomi Plaza because, of course, later on in the game. Um, so there's a bit of variety. I just remember the game like glitching like hell. It might have just been my copy, but it froze like Olaf from Frozen. Man, you look awful. A little white wine and some food, and then a night at the opera. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, I'm Dick Thornburg reporting live for HEN, the Hollywood Entertainment Network where show business is your business. It's a beautiful day in Los Angeles and I can see the whole city from atop the Townsend Art Museum. Art patrons, city officials, and various other important LA personalities have gathered to witness this occasion. Piet Gruber, the son of the notorious criminal Hans Gruber, has returned to the city where his father met his demise. Piet, however, is here to return a painting recovered from one of his South American expeditions. Gruber maintains that this generous gesture is not a way to clear his family name, but an act of conscious art preservation. Gruber! Well, we're here at the presentation ceremony, which is just about to begin. Townsend curator Christoph von Leben is getting ready to speak to this excited crowd. 
Look at my Lucy. First day on the job, following in her old man's footsteps. Thank you all for joining us today as we return this wonderful work to its rightful place in the Townsend Art Museum. <laughs> it was it was it was a weird one technically. Like it felt simultaneously completely lived in and then also empty at the same time. Like why is there only two or three people hanging around this horrifying yeah. situation that's going on here? But I did like the way it tackled like hostages and some of the dialogue was cool and you never felt like oh i need to skip this that i'm talking to this person it always felt like it mm. was important to what you were doing if that makes sense Apparently you could sort of grab people um, yeah, yeah, yeah. from behind and hold a gun to their head but i felt like it was, it was part yeah. of that era where like a lot of first person shooters had like little techniques you can do but but only if you did exactly what the game told you to do, you know, it, it, it kind of was like pretending yeah, to yeah. be flexible and realistic, but you know, the amount of times it was actually useful was, was very, very small. Yeah. Um, That's so true. I mean, you remember that from the back of back of video games back then on the box, it'd be like wield um, incredible powers. And then it should have been a little asterisk going in very specific <laughs> scenarios or situations. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things where maybe it's, um, it was trying a lot of things and not all of it worked. Maybe it was due to, you know, sort of technical limitations at the time or, or, or I, I don't know. I mean, the studio that made it uh, was Bits Studio, which is a UK developer, which closed in 2008. But beforehand, they had been doing a lot of um, games based on, on films, lots of uh, Game Boy games like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Alien 3. Um, they did... Terminator 2, Last Action Hero on the Super Nintendo, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, because, of course... <laughs> Some of these are baffling. You know, yeah. do you play as... Robert De Niro. Do you play as the creature? You play as the monster, yeah, you do. Find, finding your body parts. <laughs> and he, like Dr. Franken. Yeah, and he lumbers around just like Robert. <laughs> um... <laughs> That was a strange movie, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, a bit far fetched. There was one thing I, I noticed as well, because I, I did play it at the time, but I, I hadn't played it for a while. But I was just watching some gameplay footage, and in the theater, and I think it plays a role later in the in Die Hard Vendetta. There's posters for this made up film called Galaxy Thief Three, and it's clearly it basically the Final Fantasy spirits within poster, but they've just like like chain is like the look of it is identical but obviously they put a different title and, and graphics yeah. on it and i just thought my video game movie brain is zoning in on that that's very but did you see that picture in um uh the, the crisis core re, or remaster that's out now and there's like the getty images logo is on one of the pictures no. that's on the wall <laughs> <laughs> just a bizarre <laughs> oversight when you're talking about strange doctored pictures. Yeah, you can see oh, Getty really? images written on like some classical portrait oh, that's on the wall. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's AI yeah, art. It's, it's, it's just having its moment. Oh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very bizarre. Very scary. <laughs> and sad. But Die Hard Vendetta. Yeah, so Die Hard yeah. Vendetta, as I said, is, so that came out pretty much 20 years ago. And since then, there's just been some Die Hard games for like phones. And the last game was, as we mentioned, a good day to die hard for Java and Android devices. And then that's mm -hmm. kind of it, which is, is yeah. a bit of a shame. Because I think it, it's a... Although, as you're completely correct, it's very hard to actually pick out what makes die hard die hard. Um, I feel like there's something about it which makes for good games. 
maybe if they even did yeah, a Die Hard trilogy so. remastered, he's like, that Hollywood doesn't have any good ideas, neither does Harry. <laughs> <laughs> no original <laughs> ideas, I should say. I'd watch, I'll play a Die Hard um, trilogy remastered, and, and they can staple on the other two games as well, the other two films as well. They could do, yeah. So we can jump from helicopters and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I just don't know. Do people want more Die Hard? Were we happy with, would we have been happy if it ended with, with a vengeance? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the demand is there. I don't know if, you know, they're all on Disney Plus now, all the, the movies. Does that mm. spur on any need for it? I know that Bruce Willis is gone. Is that kind of the end? If they don't make any more movies, will they not make any more games? I don't know. It's a strange I think, one. I think the um, the longevity of the original film proves that it's one of those things where there'll always be diehard merch out there at the very least. And whether that then goes into the video game realm. There's advent calendar this year. There's a diehard advent calendar? Yeah. Everyone's got this diehard advent calendar right now, which depicts Alan Rickman falling day by day. <laughs> I've seen yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> like I saw it on Twitter and then like everyone, all my friends had one. But yes, Nakatomi Plaza is the background and every floor is like a day towards Christmas itself. So basically the 25th of December is when uh German terrorist come thief hits concrete. Um, he lands in the stable on top of baby Jesus. <laughs> it's right on top of the baby Jesus. <laughs> Um, I think, yeah. So there's lots uh, of merch, as you say. I think it'll be, it'll, and merch, and it'll be quoted forever. I mean, we're probably going to be quoting it on our deathbeds, I'd imagine. Like my last words, I would intend them to be yippee ki <laughs> Whether it's Merry Christmas or, you know, motherfucker, I don't know. But yeah, I'm never going to stop thinking about Die Hard in some fashion, hopefully, for the next foreseeable. Glass? Who gives a shit about Glass? When it comes to games, I don't know. It's so quotable. Yeah. Um, it is it really is and just like lots of little moments the humor i I, whenever i I can't look at a is it a crunchy chocolate bar not a crunchy what's the there's al leong plays one of their henchmen in that and there's a bit where they're waiting for their sas team to arrive they're not sas the the swat team to arrive and one of the terrorists like yeah one of they sort of he wants to nick a chocolate bar it's like a crunch bar or something i don't know it's just like I can't look at one of his bars and not think of Die Hard is all I'm trying to say. I can't look at Twinkies yeah. and not think of Die Hard. It's just, like I say, apart from the weird non-German, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it is so good. It really is. Um, I think, yeah, uh, the Vendetta, yes, yeah, the last major game on it. It's kind of strange. That's 20 years old this year. Mm. So you'd like to think they'd do something soon. Even that remaster would be cool or tweaked to be a bit more... Uh, less slow motion, more regular Die Hard. But I think the Die Hard Trilogy HD, I would buy that. Yeah. <laughs> In a heartbeat. Just, you know, port it to Switch. It's one of those licensing nightmares. Pick up and play kind of thing. If they can bring up, if they can bring back GoldenEye for Switch, I'm sure someone out there can bring back Die Hard Trilogy. I'm going to use that to, uh, just as a little tiny bit of self-promotion, I actually got just last week a foreword back for this new book with the the guide to movie-based video games from David Doak, who was one of the developers of Goldeneye. And he wrote the nicest, sentimental, amazing forward. So to have someone who played such a huge role in my childhood uh, write something for my book is so exciting. I follow him on Twitter and he he seems like the nicest man I've ever killed multiple times. (laughs) (laughs) Just for a laugh on Goldeneye 007. It's like, um, hello, David. 
You're time to die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bless. I just thought there was no, there was no more recognizable uh, game based on a movie, mm. surely, than Goldeneye that I spent so much time with. So I tried to get in contact with someone from that, and I got him, and he was so nice. He's as nice as he appears in his 64-bit blocky polygonal head. Yeah. I mean, if I ever saw him and he's and he's not wearing a lab coat, I'd be really disappointed. Happy was in a video <laughs> game digitized before Bruce Willis, so there you go. Yeah. He has one up on our our favorite movie star that we didn't insult just now. I mean, we we pretty much said all we can really say about Die Hard. So, I mean, tell us a bit more about your book, Chris. I mean, how how when do you have an idea of when it might be published? Uh, at the moment, we're looking at June next year, but it could be earlier, could be later, depending on just shipping. Really, is the problem. Um, it started out as a, a project covering every uh, video game based on movie that I could find, but once I submitted that, then it ended up being too long. So now it's been split into decades. So this first one would be 1982 up to 2000, which is great because you have a few Pixar platformers mm. in there. You have infamous games like E.T., you have Die Hard Trilogy, you have Alien Trilogy, and it's split up into neat little chapters. So you have a Star Wars section. I got to write about all those, you know, uh, genre-defining games that I love, like X-Wing and uh, Jedi Outcast and all those kind of games. You have an alien chapter in there. There's an action movies one, which is, you know, Cliffhanger for the Mega Drive would be one of my wow. favorite punishing <laughs> games I played when I was a kid, running away from the avalanche and dying, <laughs> wanting to break the controller. Uh, yeah, so it's just a, ga- a book, you know, you, you get a, a few hundred words maybe about each game, giving you a bit of background, telling you the systems it came from and what it played like, how it was received. Similar to the a guide to video game movies, but on a much smaller scale. But it's great because I love the screenshots in it. You know, you have really green Game Boy screenshots and then you have Dreamcast screenshots and, you know, it's just a mix of everything. Um, I was always so morbidly curious mm. about those games when uh, I was a I kid. I think something, Small soldiers, something anything. highlighted with Cliffhanger is that I, I had no idea there was a Cliffhanger video game. So I think it would be quite a joy mm. to go through the book. And like, they made a game of that? Yeah, hopefully. That's the kind of thing I'm banking on, you know, and there's a, there's the comedy section in it as well. So we have Little Nicky, which we talked about the last time. Uh, the various Wayne's World games that they made where there was ones, there was a point and click game for PC that was based straight on the movie. And then there was the bizarre uh, Mega Drive game where they get sucked into the arcade machine and mm-hmm. it's like a Zelda style game. And yeah, like bizarre. Oh, I even have Clueless. Uh, the Clueless CD-ROM <laughs> is in the book. So there you go. You're, you're totally covered. Now, I'm sure there's some I've left out. I actually, when I was proofing it, I had to go back through and I realized I'd left out such classics as Dinosaur. Do you remember that Disney movie that came out in 2000? All CG. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. You, no, I was going through my Rolodex then, of dinosaur films. What else did I left out? Oh, Casper. Casper the Friendly Ghost, that movie that came out with Christina Ricci and Bill Pullman. I had forgotten uh, that. But did, Egregiously forgotten did that. Did you include the, the, Aust- <laughs> oh, go the on. Austin Powers <laughs> Game Boy Color Games? I did, I did. I have Austin Powers All Behave and Austin Powers Welcome to My Underground Lair, the Pokemon Red and Blue. We're getting dangerously close to that bit in Blackadder when he's going through the, he talks to the inventor of the dictionary and he keeps coming up with new words. Oh, yes. Anti-disestablishmentarianism, all that kind of stuff. I remember reading a review of the video game based on Minority Report and they said, the game is about you proving you didn't murder someone and then you go out and just kill lots of NPCs. (laughs) 
you murder many, many people. So, uh, yeah. And Tom Cruise, of course, wouldn't give his likeness. So you get a blonde John Anderton with Clancy Brown doing the voice. But the game is brilliant. It's got like the ragdoll physics have never been done better than Minority Report. <laughs> I think. Well, um, yeah, so it's just a game. It's a game full of that. So it goes up to 2000 and then the second part, let's say, of the book will come out in 2024. Um, and that'll do from 2001 up to now but i mean it's ever changing now so it's never going to be fully up to date but that's why i always write in my books some of so no one can go well yeah. actually you forgot i think you probably austin powers when you <laughs> f- send, click the button sending that final copy the final version i think you need to stay off the internet for like maybe a half half the year because <laughs> they'll announce Absolutely. like a full tier full tilt you know mm-hmm Quentin Tarantino mm. adapts his own movies into video game <laughs> yeah. septology. Even even since I published the a guide to video game movies, I mean, you see the amount of video game based TV shows and movies that have been announced and come out since mm. then, like The Last of Us and God of War. Now is apparently coming to Prime. Mm. Yeah, things like that. Like, I mean, it, that's never going to be fully up to date. Hopefully, I get to do an expanded version of that at some stage. I would like to get in. Uh, you know, Welcome to Raccoon City, Sonic 2, Uncharted, those, these things that have come out recently. So I might get to do that at some and stage. And of course, I think crossed. both Rory and I are really excited about the Mario movie because Chris oh, Pratt yeah. voice aside, it was just fine. <laughs> um, it looks pretty glorious. And maybe that would be an end of an era, Maybe we are, by which I mean the era where people still to this day say there aren't any good video game movies. And we're like, yeah, I mean, there's the- some... <laughs> There's some, yeah. Have you know Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat exist? I, I and that's watched all you DOA Dead or Alive recently of my own volition, not because I saw not that because yeah. I needed to, because I wanted to. God damn it! You're an adult. <laughs> and what's the verdict? Well, I'll say a lot of my bad decisions start with me saying I'm an adult. I can do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting it's a, a movie. Real isn't clip. It? No, we, we, Rory and I reviewed it quite early on, and we we decided we decided it was a masterpiece. Um, and yeah. it moves a real clip and has some great Hong Kong f- direction and fighting. So it's great. So yeah, I think I talked about it quite favorably in the book. To be honest, I think I didn't go to town on it too much. I mean, look at the look at the cover of the DVD. You know what you're getting yourself exactly. in for. When you watch the it, very you know? same day, I went to see in the cinema. The Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Whoa. I gave it the same star rating. So <laughs> that's all you need to know. Very good. Actually, I must see that. That is, is that on Netflix soon? Or? It is Netflix just before Netflix. Christmas. Just before Christmas. Yeah, I really like Knives Out. Yeah, perfect. A lot to watch next week then. Banshees of Inishirin as well will be there. Yeah. yeah. Any video game link we can make there? Mm-hmm. Colin I mean, Farrell played Bullseye. Be a brilliant video game. Well, he was in my number <laughs> Oh, exactly. He was. That's true. The video game. Yeah, Good I'm sure link. Brendan Gleeson has been yeah. in a whole heap of Harry Potter video games. No, oh, that's true. Actually, yeah, he has. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell him all about it next time I see him. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Chris, as always. I can say Thanks that so you've been on twice. And, uh, uh, we'll and uh, a guide to video game movies is available for Christmas. Uh, if people that's, can get their orders yeah. in, in time whenever this episode drops uh if not then ask for book vouchers from your parents and uh you can use that to pick up a copy instead fantastic thank you (laughs) 
The, the money's going to come rolling in because of this endorsement. It's, oh, it's the games on film. <laughs> yeah. Tell tell Chris we sent you there. Um, I'll be having my Joe Pesci gold tooth the next time you see me. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. You'll have you'll be all the teeth bar one will be gold, and I'll be just laser focused on your one normal tooth. <laughs> what happened uh, with that one? <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, uh, Rory, how can people keep in touch with Games on Film? You can find more information about the podcast on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. We're on social media at Games on Film Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So do follow us there for all the latest on new episodes of the podcast, as well as video game, movie, and TV show news. Uh, you can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. All episodes of the podcast are available wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts. So please do like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can, and I can confidently say, uh, was it Mastodon? Never happened. <laughs> what was that other one everyone was doing? Hive. What was that one? Hive. Hive. Yeah, I signed up to that. Not used it. I am still on Twitter. At only man who can. Chris, uh, if you want people to find you, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at chriscarton89. They can find me on Instagram at christophercarton underscore author. And I think I'm christophercarton dash author on Facebook as well. So any of those. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Well, uh, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Merry Christmas, one and all. Uh, we would love you to sit down with your family and put on DOA Dead or Alive <laughs> on that Christmas day <laughs> or another. I, I, I wish I hope you every each and every one of you gets a video game movie for Christmas <laughs> or indeed a movie based on a video game. We'll see you at some point in the new year. I think we're having January ish off. But we'll be back sometime in 2023 with all the wonderful video game movies and TV shows to look forward to. Uh, until next time, I've been Harry. I've been Rory. And I've been Chris. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. All right. Bye. Merry Christmas. <laughs> ho ho ho. Merry Christmas. Bye bye. <laughs>